This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Welcome to Manawatu Conversations, recollections of the past and sometimes opinions about the future. Today we have with us John Clark Ross, Alison Milden, and I'm Stuart Burks. Now, John, you've been quite closely involved with all sorts of writing activity in the Palmerston North area. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, I I was for a while the the, the chairperson of the Central District Branch of New Zealand Society of Authors, and also it's it's its national rep. But nowadays, people decide that's much too big a job, and so the... uh, um, of course, I'm 80, 83, so I'm um, I'm way past it. Anyway. Past well, it being too active anyway. So the New Zealand Society of Authors. Yes, yes. Is that a big group? Oh yes. Group? Well, it's a nationwide group. Yes. Yeah. It has a head office in Auckland, and and um, um, a national president, and so forth, these and such like, and but and. and but it costs one hundred and twenty dollars a year to subscribe, so yeah. a lot of people think, well, they, they don't get enough out of it to to actually be members. Yeah. But I do c- continue as a member. Yes, but also a m- member of the the New Zealand Poetry Society. Yeah. And uh, a member, and of course locally we've got the Writers Hub, because the uh, Central District branch is now rather vast. Yeah. That it carries, it concludes, and and. And you know, New, Taranaki and Wanganui, Palmerston North, and Featherston and Bonsmouth, you know, Wairapa and and, yeah. and, and, and and up to Gisborne and Rotorua. So it's, it's pretty massive. So so the only way we can work is to have uh, uh, some writers hub groups in in each centre, and uh, and of course, this is a group for. For, for anybody interested in writing, they don't have to. They don't have to actually publish anything, but they're interested in writing itself. Yeah. They're working on something, hopefully, and, uh, uh, and they don't need to be members of the society. Okay. Yeah. So, what sort of numbers? Are, so, you have what regular meetings of the writers' hub? Uh, that's right. Yes. Yes. Uh, we we sit in in a, in a far corner on the first li- floor of the library central library and uh, and we we have somebody talking mm. and generally to each meeting although at the end of the uh, the year we have a, a general uh, chat around about what everybody has been doing yeah, yeah. yes uh, so you mean monthly or? yes monthly on the second monday of the month okay at, at seven five thirty yeah, yeah. At five thirty in the library on the <laughs> okay yeah. yes. Uh, do you get many turn up? Oh well, it depends on the topic, and of course, uh, with this COVID COVID thing, people some people have been a bit little bit shy, I think. Yeah. But we've we've had up to, um, you know, in fifteen twenty people. Okay. But and and that sometimes it gets down to about ten, but uh, but um, and if we could, if we can get somebody from outside, uh, say with my Maori writer, we've had we've and quite a lot of young Maori people came to that talk. Yeah, she was wonderful actually. 
wish we could get more people like that. But they, you know, they're yeah. they're, they're rather busy than themselves. Yeah, so they'd have their own circles. That they would they have their own circles. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so is this writing across a really broad range of writing? Oh yes, yes. of course. So of course, anything. some people write poetry, some people write fiction, some people. But an awful lot of uh, uh, um, non-fiction writers. You know, and writing local history, or uh, you know, like Val Mills, for example, who wrote a story, a thing about the the public baths <laughs> in, they, yeah. they used to have in one in yeah, Parson Street. Wasn't yes, the yes, Street the old ones, one. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, there's quite a lot of local history writers. Oh yes, there? there is a lot, and, and you know, somebody dug, dug up a, a very old anchor from the. Uh, and the entry to the uh, Manitou Gorge, which is which was an anchor which had belonged to the ferry boat that used to go and uh, take people across the across the Manitou before there was a bridge there. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and there was the anchor. They found it. Yeah, right. So that was quite exciting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I wouldn't. When he was saying that, I was thinking it might be down by the Foxton River mouth or something. But no, if that, well, there's there's, 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 there's a lot. Right a, there's a all sorts of things down there as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they could reinstitute something as a tourist attraction. Well, they used, used to have a uh, um, little boat you could take on the Foxton Loop. Yeah. But the Foxton Loop. Yeah, uh, got the, cut off. Yes. Mm. Mm, but that was. Uh, it's got a bit polluted, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm. Okay. So, so uh, many of these people published writers. Uh, oh yes, here and there. Mm. Um, um, the, the the guy who supports us in the library, Sean Monaghan, he's uh, he's published quite a bit in fiction and in, but as ebooks, not. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, quite a bit and. Yeah. Um, and Dale Haywood has um, published several war novels mm. about uh, the New Zealand wars or about his and uh, war in Vietnam and uh, Vietnam and mm. so forth. Uh, with um, Rangatahi, which you know, which which is I mean, basically a self-publishing, but and your she she publishes it, but it, but you, but you pay for it. Tony yeah. Chappelle is another writer who's done published some novels. Oh yeah, yeah. interesting, and particularly in the nineteenth century. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, yeah, and Jeff McNeil has just come out with a book on machines. I'm not sure. Oh yes, yes, that, yes, yes. I, I went well. to the talk about that. Yes, yeah. I went to the talk about. Yes, I had uh, um, yeah, an interest because of. Uh, um, I guess one of my father's uncles would have been in that battle, oh, and yeah. he he was finally killed at uh, Passchendaele mm-hmm. on the twelfth of October, nineteen seventeen. Yeah. But he mm-hmm. he was a sergeant in the Otago regiment, oh, yeah. which was. But um, yeah. there was another person who was a Chisholm who was inter- I was interested in, mm-hmm. uh, who and and you know was trained went all the. Mm. Further training at Sling Camp, then came to uh, um, to France and 
they and went to the front and he was you know he was blinded on the first day of the battle oh, and that was the yeah. that was his luck that was yeah. his bit. so yeah, he, at least he survived yes yeah <laughs> that was one thing yeah, mm. yeah. it was uh, actually it's a big piece of work that Jeff did cause oh yes oh gosh yes book. oh heavens yes yeah. yes it was very impressive yeah, well, yeah. um um I think there's a lot more information around now that they, they can get into a lot of those sort of di- diaries and accounts and letters. Oh, sure. Available oh, God, sure. Available. Oh, good yes, gracious, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah. I've d- I did uh, one of the things I, I was involved uh, Bolton was editing a, a book about the people with the New Zealand Chisholms who actually mm-hmm. fought in the First World War, and then I'd, I myself wrote a book about. With, well, with some contributions by other people with hmm. New Zealand Chisholms in the Second World War one of whom oh, was you, you have a connection to the Chisholms have you? Or my mother that? was a Chisholm ah, and okay. one of her yeah. brothers was a radar officer hmm. in the, who went through the Second World War hmm. and um, his um, he married a, uh, a lady called Hope Parry who had been a a, a, a code breaker at, uh, oh, at the Park. Bletchley Park outfit, although she was basically based at East Coat mm-hmm. and airfield and air base rather than at Bletchley mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. But it's quite strange because the place was Bletchley was so hot and secret mm-hmm. that they actually didn't don't have a, a, a comprehensive list of the of, of the uh, the women who served there. Mm. So, in a way, you have to go tell them. Yeah. Yes, I think yeah. a few families have had surprises when they found out. Oh yes. That, that there's been an involvement, and it's all been very hush hush. That's right. Well, well, the strange thing was that my uh, my aunt, who was a lovely person, and was perfectly open and friendly about many many things. Uh, um, was totally silent about her war service until and they, they were released from their their, their secrecy oath, yes, which yes. was not very long before her death, mm. which is from cancer, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that was in. But uh, my other uncle was a an an, an aero club flyer, mm. and so at the beginning of the war, he was enlisted in the Civil Reserve, and they were all invited if they would like to volunteer to. To go off as part of New Zealand, the the RNZAF, but to uh, to fly with the RAF, and he mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. and he was a bomber pilot mm-hmm. first in and and and, um, and, some, and pretty useless planes, which were yeah. only do, you could only safe to safe to fly at night, and then he was in a Wellington and it was uh, yeah. shot down and thirteenth the night of thirteen fourteen no twelve thirteen. And mm-hmm. uh, June, nineteen forty-one, on his nineteenth yeah. mission, and killed. Yeah. Oh, so I've been yeah, to his yeah, fe- at yeah. the place where his shot, his plane came down, and what he did was, mm-hmm. uh, although the plane was was burning quite badly, he kept it up in the air, mm-hmm. so it did not crash into a an, oh. a house full of Dutch people, mm-hmm. the Langendorf family, mm-hmm. and for which they were exceedingly grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, and yeah, yeah. quite a few, you know, about 
1960, they uh, they had the technology to to excavate the remains of the plane from the ground and with um, lifting the bombs out. And they, were, they were still full of oh, yeah. bombs, and they were yeah. actually in a very dangerous state yeah. by um, you know, remotely controlled yeah. and the cranes and with television and crane and so forth, and took them off to a safe distance, and, and then they took the remains of the crew mm. to um, the, the Yonker boss and Commonwealth Cemetery at um, Nijmegen, and um, yeah, I've been there, mm. and but but I have his 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 New Zealand wing, wings, mm. which have been underground for twenty five years. Oh, <laughs> wow, yes, yeah. just about yeah. Mm. yeah, in good, surprisingly good condition. Yeah, so I suppose with the the family, then that would be quite significant. Was was he talked about a lot? Uh, well. Um, My, uh, n- not a lot, no. But my grandmother, uh, she was he was here. He had the her oldest child was my was my mother Joyce Amy Chisholm. She was Amy Terry Chisholm, uh, and Alan was the one who was in radar, and the, and the youngest one was in book was was Bob, Robert Stanley Chisholm, and she really never got over. His death, mm. never. Mm. It's the way it was, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the. Uh, it's the way things were. Yeah. Well, my, my father, on the other hand, he was, he was, he was a rugby player. Mm. He uh, played for Poniki as, as a wing forward, what you call now a Lucy, mm. and um, cracked his shoulder blade, one of his shoulder blades, in a scrum, and. Um, so they decide they, they didn't send him overseas at the beginning of the war because he was he, he's a, had a wife and a, and a child which was me yeah, yeah. and uh, and then when they were looking for um, more men to enlist they decided his cracked shoulder blade was enough to keep in New Zealand mm-hmm. so he had a rather boring war yeah. for, for about three years and then they decided well he might have, he's doing clerical work and yeah. counting he might as well he might as well be doing it in civvies as in, as in uniform oh right so he was, oh he was in uniform but serving oh yes in, well he yeah. well, first yeah. he was in the army and then he transferred to the New Zealand Air Force so he was actually in Levin oh, for a couple of yeah. years for a couple of years and, mm. and uh, but I remember remember him coming in through the door wearing a sandpaper suit mm. as they called them you know yeah very yeah. scratchy Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, the military. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. But it was rather difficult, I guess, for my, especially for my sister, because, and, and you know, while the the husband was away, mm. the mother ran had to run run the house. Yeah, yeah. she was. She said, "What goes?" Mm. And uh, of course, when the when the husband turns up and he's home for a while, then suddenly it's him who says, "What goes?" Mm. And, and she. I didn't really notice that, but she actually found it quite upsetting. Yeah, she was a bit older, was she? Your sister? Or? Sorry, that your sister, you said. My so sister, my, young, my, my sister, who was just two years younger than me. Yes, she was born oh, in okay. 1940. Oh, yes. so she was very young when he was. Uh, oh, pretty much, pretty much. Yes, yeah. she was. Uh, 
Yeah, that's right. So you mean she was going through the terrible twos at the time that he came? <laughs> well, thereabouts, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or threes or fours, you know, the frightful fours, perhaps. Yes. As they say, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, but I was born in Wellington in December 1938, which is um, really a sort of. So it was still just. New Zealand was recovering from the Depression. Mm. Uh, my, my mother had a. a a bachelor's degree in history from uh, Victoria University. She was trained as a teacher. Would that be but unusual then? It was a bit unusual, mm. yes. But 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 she, the one person who had money, you see, was my grandmother, mm. because she was she was a qualified pharmacist, mm. and there weren't all that many of them. Yeah. So, and while while she had actually her own shop, which she owned in Upland Road in Kilburn. Yeah. Now, I find this very interesting because my father was one from a large family. Oh, yes. And he had sisters who were, they were adults through the Depression. And oh, yes. Quite a few of them, even, even married ones, had their own businesses or worked. And yes. There's all this talk now about women couldn't do various things. But oh, yeah. There was quite a lot of, I think, either some may under some circumstances or... Yes. Uh, or if they really wanted to or something, they were able to, but there were other options. Mm. I think it was a, a bit of a financial thing, though. Yes, well, my yes. my father, my grandfather, um, was an insurance salesman. He he up till the late, early nineteen twenties, he was a yeah, he was working as an accountant. Mm. But but uh, you know there was a sort of mini depression in the early twenties, early twenties, mm. when the, the British. Uh, and cut down the price they were going to pay for for paying for New Zealand butter and other things. They just arbitrarily said we're going to pay you less. Yeah. And New Zealand went into a depression, mm. a mini depression, and uh, so that people couldn't engage him to do their accounts. So they'd they just scrabbled away. They're doing their own, yeah. and he went into insurance. And he and he tried a couple of other ventures, and which were not were ill. Hopeful, but it will judge. But again, the timing was wrong. Yeah, you know, the, the 1920s was just not a prosperous time, and of course, um, in the end of the the 20s, you're getting into the the Great Depression. Yeah, the terrible one, and you're still really recovering from that in 1938, mm. 1937, yeah. 38. You know. Yeah. Um, it's hard times. They were hard times. They were, they were, they're not they were, well. They're getting better, but they were tight. Yeah. And then along comes the war, nine oh, months okay. after I was born. Mm. Yeah. And so, so again, it was a time of scarcity and low pay, and mm. and yeah. It, of course, I suppose there's uh, the view. If everybody's in the same situation, then low pay isn't such a serious problem as if if everyone else has a lot of money and you don't have much, then you can't participate. Well, public transport was quite good in those days, and we were used to walking. Mm. You know, walk to the tram, yeah. and, uh, and then at the other end of the tram stop, you walk, you walk to where, you, where you, else you had to get to. Yeah. Well, and then well, people would be later they, were, uh, yeah. no, they brought in buses eventually, and, yeah. but still. Yeah. And people would have been relatively slim then compared to... Yeah, possibly. Oh, yes. Well, we're. <laughs> but smoking as well. <laughs> well, yes, unfortunately, my father smoked. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and he, uh, he had trouble with, with 
nervous tension. And because he'd sort of started smoking rather early, when he was he went to work when he was 16, and I suppose he started pretty soon after that because everybody around him was smoking. Yeah. And um, if he tried to do without smoke and, and the nicotine, and, yeah. and you know, he, he got nervous tension and, and yeah, build up. And he, a, could, so he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't through, sort of think, wean himself off that, unfortunately. He didn't, he yeah. didn't drink yeah. because his, his father was a drunk. He didn't drink himself, so when okay, once in a while he did drink. He, it hit him too hard. You know, at a party or whatever. Yeah. So did did the war have much of an impression on you? Because you were well, quite young through it. Well, of so. course, I was young. We went through. I was, um, um, I was six, I guess, at the end of the war. Yeah. But um, so how did you my mother? My mother remembers. Yeah. Walking along Lampton Quay, and one of these American, you had all these American Marines who were based out in, at, and, and, and beyond and and in Parkakariki, and coming into town, town for a bit of fun. She said, "Hey, babe, won't you come dancing?" <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Yes." <laughs> she said, oh, I'd, "I'd love to, but but I, but I got to get, get go home and cook my." My children's tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was. Yes. Yeah, she was. So that was a that was a sad opportunity missed. Yeah. <laughs> but probably in a funny way, it was quite a fun time for children because of excitement of pretending to shoot and. Fly. <laughs> well, well, well. The thing was that we were on living on the hillside in the Highland, the Highland Park area, and um, and and on the top of the ridge was it had been flattened off, and there was a, a Bofors gun firing at the, as it were, to at, at Japanese aircraft, except that it was wooden. The real, oh, a fake one to scare yes. them off. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, the, oh, the real the real gun was 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 a bit down the hill and a bit hidden, yeah. and then a little bit further down the hill from the that gun was um, yeah, there were a couple of of uh, concrete gun emplacements and 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 it was a coastal artillery for firing at anything that came into the Wellington Harbour, mm-hmm. which uh, I think we I think they did once fire at a ship. Which didn't give the proper signals, and, mm-hmm. but unfortunately um, they missed it. Mm-hmm. But again, would have given the ship a fright. Yeah, but it was a. Di- yeah. But these were these mm-hmm. these had originally been there from the first war, during the First World War against German raiders, and mm-hmm. uh, they were disappearing guns. That is to say, the yeah, you had a, a concrete parapet, parapet, and, and the and, and the. the, the and the load gun could be loaded; it rose up and and and, and fired, and the, and then could drop down again as a, mm-hmm. behind the parapet, below the parapet, while they reloaded. Mm-hmm. It's cunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was Fort Buckley. Way. My mother wrote a little a little history of Fort Buckley, little little leaf, little leaflet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but there was, of course, there was a, uh, and 
there were some huts which the which the gunners had lived in and uh, Miss Cody who who was the daughter of one of the soldiers who'd lived there went on living in those huts for years as long as she could live independently so so there was a track from went down the ridge to Kaiwharafara but you could get get down from from Barnard Street down to Kaiwharafara or as we called it just Kaiwara in in about 10 minutes if you had at summer speed Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, yeah, so we used to we used to go, go down there and get the Eastbourne bus and go right round to uh, today's bay or to the east the uh, the bus terminus and walk round to Pencarrow Head. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. My father and my mother were both trampers. Yeah, and um, so their their friends' network was trampers. It was for the people who'd been a fellow trampers and the Tarua Tramping Club or. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Now, if there were drunk in the Tarus, you had to be very good skilled, didn't you? Because it was quite dangerous. Oh, um, yeah. well. Um, Weather. Yeah. yeah. So, if I, 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 I mean, on, on one occasion, um, I mean, I don't know, what was a fairly, it seemed, it seemed a pretty reasonable day. I was staying with me, quite a quick little batch, family batch at Wike and I, and walked up the. Um, Kapa Kapa Nui and went, went along the the ridge uh, to, uh, and then walked then there was a hut there we could stay at it and, and, uh, um, and they wa- walked along with, and then brought branch ridge to the um, and to the main range and walked up into a into a, into a a blooming snowstorm, a very vicious, tremendous mm. storm, and uh, <laughs> just, just myself and a chap called Dave Ogilvy, who was, and um, yeah, but we we got to Alpha Hut, so we were okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, but uh, they, then I got I came down, and uh, heard that a couple of my friends were missing, oh, wow. and they had actually. Um, and been trying to do a, north, a southern crossing, and mm. um, the uh, the week before, and and they died. They were on Mount Hector, mm. uh, and uh, and they're only about twenty minutes from the hut. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, from the hut, the climb hut. But uh, so yeah, so so. So that, that was quite a business walk, yeah. and in those days you didn't have any helicopters. We all just yeah, had about have the, GPS or beacons. No, we had about four, uh, yeah. so we had four, about forty people walked up there and and um, oh, it's a large and group. crammed uh, crammed yeah. into the, uh, the the lower hut and uh, and then went up to Kaim and went up to the top of Hector and carried them down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. This is part one of two. Listen next week for part two. Thank you for listening to Manawatu Conversations. This and other recent programs can also be found on the Manawatu People's Radio website and a range of programs is also available on the Manawatu Heritage website of the Palmerston North City Archive. 
The address for that is manuatuheritage.pncc.govt.nz Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.